for tuning in to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. We're happy to have as our guest this week, Ashley Kincaid. Ashley is the SVP Head of Culture for Trade School, a division of Guided by Good. Ashley's career in human resources has spanned across industries and has been focused in leadership development, culture creation, recruiting, and diversity and inclusion leadership. Previous to her elevation as the head of culture at Trade School, Ashley was the VP, HR Director, and Associate Director of Diversity at 22 Squared in Tampa. She also has a breadth of HR experience from leading in the HR space for organizations such as the Art Institute's Saks Fifth Avenue and Verizon Wireless. Ashley is a proud HBCU graduate where she attained her bachelor's degree in English from Spelman College and went on to attain her master's degree in human resources management from Emmanuel College. Ashley also holds a professional human resource certification from HRCI and a DNI certification from Cornell University. We are so happy to have Ashley in the salon with us. Welcome to the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins, and we're excited to have like a HR rock star in the salon with us today. We have Ashley Kincaid. Um, Her career is amazing, and I won't, you know, spoil it for, for everyone, but I want Ashley to tell us a little bit about herself. Welcome to the salon, Ashley. Thank you so much for inviting me to the salon. I'm so excited to be here. Full circle moment. I love it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. This is the power of networking and being nice to people and just talking to people casually. I met Ashley uh, a while ago through a, a really, really good friend and she's shown herself to be nice and, you know, fellow HBCU graduate, all of those things. And I just look at Ashley's career and I'm like, whoa, like she is moving on up. And so <laughs> we wanted our audience to get to know you, Ashley. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. So I'm Ashley Kincaid. I'm excited to be here. And I have been working in human resources since probably about 2003. Um, I started my career right after I got out of Spelman. Um, I moved to Boston, a city I had never seen before, and moved there for my first HR job um, right out of college. And I worked for Reebok for a couple of years, which is a great place to sort of cut my teeth and learn recruiting, especially in that environment. One, it was an amazing and fun environment to work in. If you can imagine, um, you know, not only being surrounded by the footwear, but also the athletes and the famous people that would come into the office all the time. But I was responsible for recruiting um, and then transitioning my career to work for organizations like Verizon Wireless, Saks Fifth Avenue, the Art Institute, and now working with um, and working in advertising, which was an, uh, definitely a lane I did not see myself moving into at any time. I'd always worked with really large Fortune 500 companies, big retailers, things of that nature. You know, moving into education at the Art Institute was was huge, and I did recruiting and then really moved into HR management, HR leadership there, and then making the transition to working in, in an agency super different, you know, very exciting (laughs) to work with really creative people. But I would say that's when I made my big transition to working, you know, solely in recruiting to working as an HR leader in coaching, training and development, and then diversity and inclusion. Ah, love that. And we have some things in common because I'm currently working for a marketing advertising agency. So that's awesome. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. <laughs> That's great. And we also started our career in HR in the same year, 2003. Absolutely. <laughs> it's it wow. a, good year. It was a good year to get in HR. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Is HR what you wanted to do when you graduated from college? That is a great question. I'm asked that question often. And my answer (laughs) is always the same is that no, I did not see myself moving into human resources at all. I actually went to Spelman. I had a degree in English with a minor in child development. So I thought I was going to go into teaching. Um, My mother is an educator. I thought I was going to be an educator. I had this dream of going back to my old high school and being the first black teacher to teach there. And I actually just got an internship um, while I was there uh, at Spelman. And I had the opportunity to work with Inroads, become an intern with them. And Mm -hmm. I interned with um, a grocery store and a grocery company. And I interned in human resources. And I never thought that was a career path. I never knew that was a thing. And I was just really excited to get that exposure and that opportunity. And then year after year, I had a mentor there. And every year he would say to me, you know, are you still thinking about going into education or you think you want to be in HR? And I would say, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to still be in education. I'm going to be a teacher. And then another year would go by and I'd go back and I'd intern there again. And I'd get exposed to something really cool, like labor relations and working with mm-hmm. unions and things like that, recruiting, yeah. you know, um, diversity numbers and talking about inclusion. And then the next year he'd be like, are you still going to go into teaching or do you want to be in <laughs> HR? And then finally... My senior year, he asked me that last time and he was like, you've been doing this for four years, Ashley. Like, do you want to be in HR? Do you want to be an educator still? And I said, you know what? I think I want to be in HR now. And, (laughs) you know, it just, it just grew on me. And so, you know, making that transition, I felt like I had so many of the applicable skills that were necessary to work in HR, you know, having the English background, you know, being able to write well, you know, being able to, you know, kind of assess and condense information well and quickly. Um, And then, you know, just in general, my personality, it works. You know, I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy listening to people um, and ultimately really enjoy building a culture. I love training and development. Um, And so it all just worked out. Um, And so when you have those skills and you build those skills, it transitioned so well to HR. Again, I didn't even know it was a thing and now it's my life. Yes. So Ashley, so you fell into, everybody says that some, you know, most people I talked to fell into HR, but like, how did you, people will look at your background and your resume and like, whoa, like if you're in HR, you want to do what Ashley is doing, like your trajectory, your mix of skills and how Mm -hmm. you just gradually just kept climbing the ladder. What do you think, has been the key to your success in progressing in your career in HR? That is a great question. I think that the biggest thing was finding organizations that I felt that um, I could I could contribute to, but also mm-hmm. that I felt like they could nurture me back as well. I chose jobs just like they chose me. I chose them for what they believed mm-hmm. in. I chose them based off of the managers that I'd be working with, the teams I'd be working with. Um, you know, really just interviewing them as well as they interviewed me and then Mm -hmm. finding that skill set match and that passion match and that culture match and then joining and being very intentional about 
my experience there. So Mm -hmm. very intentional about what I learned, who I partnered with, who I spent time with, who I, you know, spent extra time with and built extra relationships with outside of work. That Mm -hmm. is what has helped me progress. Mm -hmm. Um, That is what made me, I think, as successful as I have been at these organizations is being super intentional about what I wanted to get out of the experience of being within that Mm -hmm. organization and always finding something um, special and different and finding that new passion kind of around every new corner. Um, and I think that's why I've been with my agency right now for so long is because they have, you know, leveraged my skills. I have found my passion there and, you know, mm-hmm. there's always an opportunity to involve, evolve and to do something different and to engage in a different way and to just use my skills in a different way that has really just made me want to be there. Uh, I love that answer. And, and when you're talking about, you know, bringing all of your skills to an organization, I know you've had a couple of different roles within HR. You've done the recruiting and just recruiting. You've done kind of like the generalist employee relations and, and things like that. Is there any particular area of HR that is really a passion for you more than the others? Because I know I tell Camille she's in recruiting. She can have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will stick. I will stick with my generalist duties. I'll dabble mm-hmm. in recruiting, but that's something I don't want to do full time. And so I want to know the same for you. What are some areas that you're like? Oh, that's my sweet spot right there in HR. Absolutely, Carla. I would agree with you 100%. Recruiting is not my sweet spot anymore. Um, I enjoy doing it for the time that I did it. I'm sorry. No, like no shade. But doing recruiting for the time I did it was awesome. It was great learning. It was wonderful experience and doing it in so many different, um, so many different uh, organizations and so many different focuses and volumes like that was necessary for me to get to where I am right now. So I will never poo poo that experience. Um, (laughs) However, I really do believe, you know, especially I think about my educational background in English and child development, child development is really just understanding how adults behave um, Mm -hmm. because they learn it as children. And so I think that my sweet spot has always been coaching and development as well as training and development, Um, having those really important conversations, watching human behavior happen um, and then being able to observe it and obsess it and then try to understand it and explain it to folks and to create models and use models to help people understand why people behave the way they behave. Mm-hmm. And then recognizing how you can train new behaviors and then teaching folks, you know, the things that you feel like they need to know, especially managers. I think that's oh, definitely yeah. my sweet spot is coaching managers on how to have tough conversations, um, how to talk through development with their employees and just in mm-hmm. general, how to be stronger managers. Mm. Yeah. What do you think is like some of the core tenants over the span of your career, some of the core tenets, and I know they're common themes that you see in corporate America. What are some of the core tenets you think managers are lacking these days or even prior in your career? Sure. I would say empathy is a big one. And I think that 2020 taught us some really valuable lessons when it comes to empathy. I actually wrote an article about it for um, HR.com's magazine um, in January. And that was the focus of the conversation was really, let's talk about empathy and how important it is for us to understand where people are coming from, 
what they're dealing with, asking those really important probing questions about people and how they're doing and what they need in order to be successful. And don't just ask it because it's the right thing to do. Ask because you really want to know and because you want to help them make a change and you want to help them do what's necessary for them to make a change in their life, for them to progress, for them to do well, for them to be healthy, all those things. Right. I I think that's one thing that's lacking, especially during this time of COVID and the pandemic. And we want to switch to talking about employee culture or organizational culture. And I know you have experience with building successful cultures. Tell me, how has that changed for you in a pandemic? I mean, it has not been easy. I'll I'll start there. Um, But again, I think when you lead with empathy, that is really what is necessary when you're experiencing something that we all experienced in 2020 and some of us are still experiencing um, in this year is recognizing that everyone is different. Everyone responds to um, difficult situations in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that, again, when you lead with empathy in those situations, you are very attuned to that. You understand that. Mm -hmm. And you know to ask those questions and to check in with folks and to make sure that they understand that you understand that it's okay for them to not be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, that it's okay to talk about it when you're not okay, to ask for what you need in those moments when you're not okay. Mm -hmm. And I would say that was the biggest thing that we needed to do and pivoted into 2020 and in the pandemic was recognizing that mental health wellness was so important during that time. And, And now it just kind of is important across the board and more people are more comfortable talking about it now. Right. Again, they're more comfortable saying I'm not okay. Right. And saying, I need time, I need space, I need a vacation, I need more help. Um, All of those things, I think more and more folks are more comfortable saying and organizations need to start listening to that. And when you listen, that's when you're able to not only attract employees, but you're able to retain employees and make them feel like they're a part of a culture that cares about them, that cares about their wellness about their, not only their growth and development and all that stuff that comes in the future, but you care about me right now in this moment. Yeah. And you know, that matters to me. That matters to every employee. You want to feel seen and heard and valued. And -hmm. I think that that's really the crux of a culture is building a culture is recognizing that all employees just want to be seen, heard, valued, and supported and doing anything you can in your power to make that happen. Right. right. I have a I have a question. It just came off of you're talking about empathy, right, Ashley? Do you think people's perception or implementation of empathy in the workplace is impacted by their biases? Ooh, yes. I think that's a great question. You know, I think that a lot of times, you know, and I think we experienced this very much in 2020. There's something called performative empathy. Mm-hmm. And that's something where you're just doing the the asking. You may ask a question, kind of ask if someone's okay. You're you're asking if somebody um, you know needs time or space, or you know you ask them about something difficult that might be happening in society, and just kind of do it as emotion. You know, you're not really doing it with your whole heart, with your whole mind. You're not really doing it to to understand what they're going through, to really 
you know, truly empathize with what they're going through. And that in and of itself is performative, is that I'm just doing this to check a box and say that I did it. You know, I checked in with my employees of color in the times that I needed to, to make sure they were okay. They told me they're okay. And so we moved on. Um, that's performative. And so what I'm talking about when I talk about empathy is that compassionate empathy, is that empathy where you're asking those questions because you really care about those people. Mm-hmm. You care about what your employees are going through, regardless of you know what might be going on in the world in that moment. But you're asking them because you care about them. You care about how it's affecting them, how it's affecting mm-hmm. their work, how it's affecting their mental health, their families, because you know them and you know their families and you want them to be well and you want them to be okay. And I would say that's the difference in my approach than you know many others is that I'm asking you because I care. And I'm asking my managers to ask you because I want them to care. I want them to care about you as an individual. And I want them to build that trust with you that they can feel like they can talk to you about those things when they come up, not just, you know, when it's on national news, but when life happens, they feel comfortable talking to you about those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, Ashley, when thinking about you yourself as an employee, because you're an employee too. I tell people all Absolutely. the time, we're HR, but we're employees too. Absolutely. Thinking about your career, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself in your time of being an HR practitioner? Oh boy. Um, that is such a good question. What have I learned about myself? I learned how important it is to take your time hmm. and to be patient, recognizing that change doesn't happen immediately, that as a new employee, sometimes you have to take a beat um, before you, you know, start rolling out, you know, new policies or, hey, I used to work at this place. Let me tell you what they did there. You know, sometimes it's really important to be quiet. <laughs> and that was a lesson yeah. that I had to yeah. learn yeah. because I'm a talker. Um, I enjoy engaging. I enjoy, you know, listening to what you've got going on and giving you my perspective on, you know, how to make it better or how to make it different or how it can, you know, work better for employees. But, you know, I learned that sometimes you just need to be quiet and you need to be patient and you just need to listen. And when you spend that time just kind of listening, paying attention to what's happening around you, um, understanding how a process works, um, you have so much greater insight. Um, and so one of my favorite books that I read when I transitioned into the role, um, when I started working at 22 squared was, um, the first 90 days, which is an amazing book. And that book taught me just that to be quiet for about 90 days. And then at that point, you have an opportunity to really give feedback, to assess, Mm -hmm. um, and to really, give more valuable, poignant feedback in that moment, as opposed to when you're just three weeks in and just kind of shoot your mouth off, like, this isn't right. And that's not right. And I don't like the way y'all do that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And that's not informed. And so I think sometimes giving yourself that time to come from a more informed perspective is really Mm -hmm. necessary. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an awesome perspective. Just be quiet. You heard it here in the first like, <laughs> Just be quiet. But that's no. That is simple. We forget how simple things really 
are so monumental in our careers, right? Mm-hmm. We have job seekers um, that listen to our um, our podcast, managers, people that aren't in HR. And I'm sure they love to ask you, especially a, a majority of our audience, do you feel like you have experienced challenges uh, climbing the ladder in HR, being a black woman, or do you feel like it's been kind of normal, no challenges whatsoever? That you're just kind of building on your experience, education, and expertise. I would definitely say that there's been hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say a lot of them are perception. You know, I think that being a young black woman coming into human resources. I was seen as, you know, young, you know, bright eyed, you know, not really knowing what I was doing, not really understanding company culture, not really understanding how to get things done. And that wasn't necessarily the case. I had a lot of experience, you know, even from my internships before going into the companies that I started working with. But, you know, one story I remember very vividly is starting my first job out of college being in a room of HR professionals and they had like an icebreaker question where they asked you sort of, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I remember saying, I want to be the head of an HR department when I grow up. And I remember the looks on the faces and Mm. the looks on the faces were this look like, like, huh, you want to do what? Like you think you're going to be a what? Mm. And it was kind of like a laugh and a shrug and a move on. And that was the moment I think that I realized that there were going to be a lot more hurdles moving forward, that there was a perception that maybe I can't do this, that maybe I won't be the right fit moving forward, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in other organizations or in this profession, maybe this wasn't for me. And, you know, I just kind of think about that moment now. And again, like I said, talk about earlier, a full circle moment yeah, is you know updating my title on LinkedIn and being like, I did right. it. <laughs> right. I did it. Well, right. There's some people Don't out there girl, who maybe think I can do it. I did it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, you are doing it. <laughs> We're gonna take a break really quick to hear from our sponsor Anchor, and then we'll come back and wrap this up with Ashley. Oh, I want to ask. Uh, I want to ask you a fun question, Ashley. Sure. So when you're doing your work, when you're working on projects, what music are you listening to to like motivate you, keep you going? Are you listening to music or you work in silence? So I work in silence, but let me tell you when I do listen to music. I listen to music now because we no longer have a commute. I work from home. I'm remote uh, and pretty much 100% moving forward. I actually listen to music in the shower now. The shower (laughs) is my new commute. And I'm just going to be honest, like my playlist is pretty diverse, but I do keep it kind of hype and a little ratchet. So my music is, is definitely party music to get me going in the morning. So I'm listening to like old school hip hop and R&B. I might be listening to some new school Meg Thee Stallion. Like I'm listening to the stuff that's going to get me hype for my day. Okay. (laughs) So Ashley, you are, you just moved into a new role as SVP. Y'all, she's yes, talking to an SVP. That's Black Girl <laughs> Magic. Can I have your autograph, Black please? Girl Magic. Yes, ma'am. Sign <laughs> it. So tell us about like getting to that that 
you know, point in your career and this new, you know, new role and company and all of that jazz? Absolutely. I mean, trade school was just an amazing opportunity that's just blossomed right where I was planted. And I think that it was definitely just ordained that that was just going to be something that I was going to do. Um, again, I love my career at 22 Squared. It had been, you know, it's been amazing and had no intention of you know, making any type of change or transition. And it just so happened the opportunity came up and a role was crafted um, for a senior vice president, you know, head of human resources. And so, you know, my HR leader within the agency just kind of reached out and said, hey, do you think this is something that you'd want to do? And I was like, absolutely, yes. And, you know, talked to some of the leaders of that business, many of whom I had worked with for many years, for the, you know, five and a half years I had worked at 22. But, you know, we just hadn't worked necessarily together. I hadn't reported to them or anything like that, but they had just kind of seen my work. They had seen what I've done with, you know, diversity and inclusion within the agency. They just seen, you know, what I've done with training and development and just in general have just seen me, you know, do my job day to day. And they were, and, and they told me that and they said, Ashley, like, we want you, we saw, we see what you've been doing here. Like we, we want you to be our, our head of HR. And I said, I have, I have a caveat. I think we should call this role head of culture. And that was important for me. That was important for me to marry not only my HR expertise, but with my DNI expertise that again, building this culture at, the agency over the last five and a half years, it was really important to me. I didn't want to lose that piece. Um, and so the SVP head of culture role was born. I moved into it. I've been in it since the beginning of May. And, you know, incrementally, again, like I said before, I'm keeping my mouth shut. I'm minding my business. I'm paying attention to kind of how things are working and how the business is working. Um, I'm trying to get my arms around a lot of processes and procedures that are very different than how I was um, doing them before. But ultimately, you know, it's still the same amazing organization. Um, trade school in and of itself is uh, very much focused on content and um, mm -hmm. building content for some of our largest clients. Um, and it's a really amazing opportunity to lead their culture and craft their culture. Um, they broke off from 22 about a year and a half ago. So they're really trying to find their identity. And my job is to help them do that. That's so amazing. It's good. So I uh, want to ask, because we probably have people that li are listening uh, to this episode and like, wow, like Ashley's career in HR is so aspirational. And, you know, how does she do that? And what are some words of encouragement? for people that are like in the job market, they really want to be in HR or they are in HR and they want to go to another level in HR. What would you, what would you say to that job seeker? Absolutely. I would tell them, raise your hand for everything. If you're in a current role right now and you've got a wheelhouse, you know, you've got your thing that you do, which for me, I remember, you know, back in the day was recruiting. Mm -hmm. I asked for more. I asked for opportunities to, you know, do employee relations. If I had a colleague who was always overwhelmed with phone, with phone calls, she was constantly getting phone calls about employee relation things that she just didn't have the time to handle. And I raised my hand and I said, I can help you. I can help you. I know that's not my wheelhouse. I know that's not necessarily what my job is or what I'm doing right now, but I can help you. And she started forwarding yeah. her phone calls to me. And, you know, was there an opportunity to ride along with somebody and go on, you know, uh, an investigation somewhere? I'll go, you know, I'll, 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 go, I'll do that. You know, whatever that thing is, you know, you need a report pulled. I'll do that. You know, I'll learn how to do that thing. 
so then I can be an expert at doing that thing. You know, training and development, you know, came pretty naturally to me, but it was an opportunity that they were like, hey, we need some people to help us train. And I was like, I'll do that. You know, hands shot <laughs> straight up in the air is that be willing to do what's outside of your job description. Be willing to yes. do that extra like unnamed, unsaid thing um, that folks maybe roll, you know, roll their eyes about or kind of stick their nose up at, oh, I don't want to do that thing. Do that thing. Raise your hand to do the thing that nobody else wants to do. That's experience for your resume. That's an opportunity that you can talk about later. That is a life experience. That is a learning experience that will change you for the future. Raise your hand for the thing that nobody else wants to do. Amazing. That's a great note to end on. We thank you so much, Ashley, for coming thank to the you. Career Salon and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom. I'm telling you, like, you're amazing. Your career, like, I've seen it, like, go step up, step up, step up. And, like, it's just awesome to see. And I'm proud of you. Just, you know, as another HR practitioner to another, as an HBCU grad to another, like, it's amazing. Thank you. You all, same thing. Like I said, Camille, we've been friends for a long time and followed each other's careers. And Carla, same thing. Like, thank you all so much. Like, you are aspirational. Um, And I appreciate (laughs) I appreciate the opportunity. You know, it's great talking to you all. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to having you back for our next episode. Thank you. Now a word from our sponsor, Black and HR. What is Black and HR? It's a community of over 5,000 Black HR professionals around the country who share jobs, uplift each other, and meet for social events. The mission is to create a safe space and one-stop shop for Black HR professionals to grow, network, and learn. As a member of the community, you have access to partnership with some of the largest organizations in the world. You have experts available to educate and train you and also set you up for success navigating your career. If you would like to partner to post jobs, if you are looking for this type of community to share and gain knowledge, or if you're simply lost in HR, go to theblackinhr.com to get started. This is Carla, the HR expert. And this is Camille, the recruiting expert. And we're the HR twins. You just finished an episode of the Career Salon podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the Career Salon. And don't forget to subscribe and follow on all podcast platforms for upcoming episodes.